Welcome to In Conversation with Lyndon Terracini, a podcast where we meet the extraordinary talents, both on stage and off, working at Opera Australia. These conversations were all originally filmed for our streaming service, OATV. You can find more online at tv.opera.org.au, as well as full productions and behind-the-scenes footage. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to OATV. And my very special guest today is John Pringle. John had a wonderful career with Opera Australia and the Australian Opera, as it was then, uh, sang with many great singers um, and, 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 and with other companies as well. Uh, so, John, welcome. And uh, it's great to have you here, I guess, in this familiar rehearsal room. It is familiar. Thanks, Lynn. It's nice to be here. And um, how many operas did you sing with the company? Um, I'm not sure the actual number of operas, but... I counted the roles, yeah, and it was 102, I think. Oh, that's incredible. Oh, but no, but they weren't all with this company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, right. That's but all still together. Yeah, well, this company was probably, I don't know, 90 or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So you were born in Melbourne. Yes. And uh, you trained as a pharmacist, I think. Yes. Yeah. And did you actually work as a pharmacist, or? I did. Uh -huh. Yeah, I worked for four or five years. Yeah, and in the, but at the same time, you were studying singing. Sort of, yeah. I, I, I didn't start singing lessons until I finished my course. Aha. Uh -huh. So I was 23, I think, when yeah. I had my first singing lesson. Oh, wow. And so so uh, what, what was the interest? What sparked the, the music. idea? Aha. Uh -huh. Very simple answer. Yeah. I, I sang, I did quite a lot of choral singing mm -hmm. at university. Yeah. Um, and uh, in, a, in the Astra Chamber Choir mm. in Melbourne, which yeah. was quite a good you know, choir singing around Melbourne, don't yeah, you Yeah, very good. Yep, and um, it, it was the only way I had of making music. I didn't have an instrument. Mm -hmm. uh, I, mean, I once had a piano lesson and uh, the teacher found out that I didn't have a piano. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we couldn't afford one. Yeah. We, we were too, too poor, was it? Now, yeah, um, we were so poor we didn't even have a mother. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, so my interest in music um, after I finished pharmacy got me thinking, oh, I'd love to be able to play something or mm. do something. And mm. I was talking to a couple of people who knew a bit about it, mm. conservatorium types like Rex Hobcroft. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Used to be a director of this company. Yeah, I remember Rex very well. And I, I remember Rex saying, well, you know, you've got quite a good voice. Why don't you have singing lessons? Mm -hmm. And I had singing lessons, fiddled about a mm. bit, you know, mm. didn't take it seriously for a while. And who was, who was your teacher there in Melbourne? Uh, I started with a man called Valentine Woff. Mm -hmm. And that, that sort of reached its limit in mm. a way. And then I stopped for a while. Mm. And then my, my, my number one teacher was a, a lady by the name of Annie Portnoy. Mm -hmm. And Annie also taught um, other people who sang with the opera company at mm -hmm. different times. Was um, she um, related to Henry? Yes. Uh -huh. She was his wife. Oh, okay. So they were, they were from Vienna. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and she was wonderful. Mm -hmm. and so I was with her uh, whenever I could you know, get to have a lesson. Mm. So once I joined the opera company, I'd be in Sydney and she was in Melbourne. And yeah, then, yeah. And then when uh, they shifted to Sydney, uh -huh. which seemed good, but then I'd be away on yes, tour. Yes, of course. <laughs> and then she got sick, unfortunately, and uh -huh. died. But so later on, I, you know, I, I did work with other people around the place. Yeah. But then uh, I think you went to Italy to study when yes. you were with the opera company. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I won the Sonaria. Yeah. The, the, the same famous time. competition. <laughs> yes. Yeah. As uh, at the same time that I joined this, this company, uh -huh. uh, 
And because I'd just joined the company, I, I delayed taking the scholarship. Mm -hmm. I mean, the thing being that you had to, to go overseas to do some study in order to qualify to use the scholarship. Okay. It was yeah. as simple as that. And I left it for nearly three years. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the company were happy for me to go. Mm. So I went to Rome and studied with Tito Gobbi's teacher. Uh -huh. Well, not his original singing teacher, that guy, that was uh, Giulio Crimi, I think, mm -hmm. who already died years before. Mm -hmm. No, a man called uh, Maestro Luigi Ricci, mm -hmm. who was pretty famous in Around yeah. the Traps. And he'd worked with Puccini. Uh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Puccini, Puccini sat in that chair and he said to me... Fantastic. I've come with the real ones here. Well, so. that, that tradition is fantastic, though, you know, to be that connected to it. It was. It was, fan it was fantastic. I studied roles with him mm. and did the vocal aspects as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was put onto him by Tito Gobbi. Uh-huh. Tito came here yeah. in 1968 mm. to sing in Tosca at yeah. the Adelaide Festival. Yeah, with Don with Smith. Don and, Smith. Um, was it Murray, Murray Collier? Collier? That's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a tremendous cast. Yeah, yeah. And I had a small part in that. Uh-huh. That was my first... Full season. Yeah. So I got to see the great man, Gobby, mm. you know, who was one of my idols. Yeah. Got to see him up close and yeah, actually yeah. sing with him. Yeah. And, um, and then the following year, uh, he came back and in Melbourne we did Falstaff, mm. in which he was Falstaff and I did Ford. Yeah. I shared it with Alan Light. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So um, it was great. We got chatting and he's, he found out that I, uh, I wanted to go to to Europe, I wasn't mm. sure who to work with. He said, yeah. oh, you must work with my teacher. Yeah. Actually, I have a really nice little story from this because Tito Gobbi was the most famous Scarpia of oh, all time. absolutely, yeah. You'd agree with that, yeah, 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 yeah. He sang hundreds of performances mm. of it. And well, the great performances he did with uh, Maria Callas and Giuseppe Di Stefano, yeah. they're legendary performances. Yeah, they are yeah. legendary. Some of it's on film, actually. Yeah, yeah. Act two from the garden in 64. Uh, mm. um, anyway, I arrived in Rome and you know, rang the doorbell and Ricci came out and he said, um, ah, yeah, I said, um, Tito sent me. <laughs> Tito Gobbi sent me. Ah, he said, he was here last week. I said, oh, really? Yes, he was working. I said, oh, what was he working on? Scarpia. Oh, really? <laughs> this is in 1970. My God. And he'd already been singing it, you know, 20-something yeah, yeah. years. Yeah. Had done hundreds of performances. Yeah. And he was still working on it. That's extraordinary. And I thought, good lesson. Yeah, it is, yeah. Did, um, you were also a very good actor as well as a fantastic singer. Thank you. Did, did the, um, that experience w working with Gobby or seeing Gobby work influence you in that way? Yes. Yeah, yeah. actually, that's the short answer, yes. Because I, I remember reading his autobiography. I think it's called My Life, I think. Mm. And in that, he said that when he was starting out, or fairly early in his career, he was doing well. Mm. You know, he was obviously a, a great talent mm. but he said he realized early on that he didn't have the greatest baritone voice mm. he had a very good baritone yeah. voice and, yeah. and it had um, a singularity to it mm. you know you yeah. had two notes and you knew who it was that's true yeah which is always a good sign i think yeah. but um he, he thought i'm not going to be the sort of singer the guelfi or uh, mm. you know silveri for example mm. with a more beautiful voice yeah yeah uh, so he said he said, I thought I have to develop a range of abilities. Mm. So I need to be a very good actor. Yeah. I need to do lots of homework on my roles, mm. know them inside out. Mm. 
uh, be a good musician. Mm. He, he did his own makeup yep. too, yep. Uh, which he spent hours on. Mm. Uh, and so he thought, you know, if I do that, well, then I've got a chance of having a good career. Yeah. Um, and the rest is history. Yeah. Well, so I took, sorry, to, just to finish that, I remembered that. Yeah. And I yeah. thought, okay, I don't have a world bidding voice. Mm. I have a decent voice. Well, you know? You're being modest there, but. It's, well, yeah, yeah no, very, I mean, not as fine a voice mm. as a few of the other people around the, around the trap. Mm. And, um, and there were certain roles that I'd probably never sing, mm. which, which became the case. But um, I thought, once again, like Gobby, I need to work on the other aspects. Yeah. And that's how I became what people kindly called a good actor. You know, I mean, no, I used no, to say no. that by, by theatrical standards, you know, by the Hugo Weaving standards, <laughs> this world, I was a lousy actor. <laughs> well, it's, it's a different... Uh, and I've had this conversation with a few people. It's... Um, and I remember speaking to a director about this once in Frankfurt, and he said, well, it's, it's something, but it's not really acting. But it, it is something that actors don't do in a play, but really good opera singers, who are very good actors, in inverted commas, mm. do in opera. And, and I think that's absolutely true, and it's figuring out what that is. And you figured mm -hmm. it out wonderfully well, and, um, so that when you were on stage, um, people would look at you and, and um, watch you to see what your reaction was, even yeah. when you weren't singing. Yeah. Which is, you know, a fantastic thing to have, because obviously when you're acting, you don't have three, three or four pages of saying the same thing. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's right, and that's, that's one of the limiting factors yeah. about being an operatic actor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you have to find justifications for why you stand still and repeat the same words. Yes, yeah, yeah. And sometimes you can be thinking about a suspension in time, mm. you know, when, where one of the big set pieces in a Mozart opera, mm. which, which is wonderful music. Or sometimes I've heard excellent directors <laughs> accept that here we have a set piece. This mm. is an indirect free kick, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, Let's just enjoy the music mm. because that's what it's been written for. Yeah. So you've got this little suspension of the drama and then it goes on afterwards. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's a particular talent to find, find that and to find it in, in every piece because, you know, as you say, it's, it's different in a, Mo in a Mozart opera to yeah. a Verismo opera, for example, where yeah. you need to find a different way of doing it and um, Gobby did it brilliantly and, and you did it wonderfully well as well. It's it, well, interestingly, when you come across a composer like Martin Yu, who's yeah. not, not well known, but mm. who's one of my favourites, I have to say, mm. and I've listened to most of his operas and seen films of a couple. Well, the Greek Passion is a fantastic piece. The Greek piece. Passion, it's funny because that is a magnificent opera. It is, it is. But it's, it's out, of, out of the run of his operas yeah. in a sense because he maintained that opera was a, an art form that didn't really work for him mm. dramatically. Mm. So he preferred his operas to be on fantasy subjects, yeah. you know, um, magical things, surrealistic. Mm. Yeah. That sort of, so that he wasn't tied to trying to produce um, a believable dramatic effect. Yeah. He felt it didn't work. Mm. So what did he do? At the end of his life, he wrote The Greek Passion, yes. which is a realistic opera. It is, you know? yeah. And, wow, is it realistic? Oh, it's a fantastic piece. Yeah. Really wonderful. He left out some of the gory bits. Yeah, that's true. And I would, I've always wanted to do it here, but um, you and I would be the only two people in the audience. We'd be the t two people there. I remember going to Moffat years ago and saying, oh, do you know that... Yeah, I won't tell you when it was. I yeah. said, 
1991 is yeah. going to be the centenary of Martinu's birth. Uh -huh. and I, know, I said, I know you like centenaries. Yeah. You know, good excuse for putting on the Greek Passion. He said, I'd love to put on the Greek Passion, but who would come? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. And, and frankly, nothing has changed, um, which is a pity because it is, it's an extraordinary piece. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, as we've mentioned, you, you spent a long time. How many years did you sing with, with uh, Opera Australia? 41. 41 years. <laughs> That's extraordinary. It wasn't even my first job. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, you sang a lot of operas, as you've already mentioned. What was the repertoire that you really liked doing? Because you, you're very, very versatile and you sang everything. But um, Good question. <laughs> yeah, uh, it varied with, yeah. the, with the time. Because yeah. when, I, when I was younger yeah. and was appropriate to the roles, I loved doing the Barbara Seville. Yeah. You know, and Bohème yeah. and so on. Later on, uh, I was less, well, I was less suitable for them anyway as I mm. got older and, and there were roles that the young baritones mm. coming through mm. should be doing anyway. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I, I guess um, something was meat in them. Mm. I know I, I mentioned Moffat Oxmoor before because mm. when Moffat was, you know, giving you your roles, mm. that sort of thing, he knew that I liked to challenge. Yeah. Uh, and he said, so he always tried to find me something new. Mm. So that's how I came to do things like Death in Venice, yep. which I loved doing. Yeah. Master Singers came out of the blue mm. to a certain extent. I didn't think, to begin with, I didn't think I'd be suitable for it. Mm. And as it turned out to be quite a success. Well, you well, know. It was a great success. Uh, and mm. I loved it. Yeah. I just adored yeah. it. Yeah. But I suppose getting into the latter part of my career, uh, while still being really happy to go on and do yet another butterfly mm. because I had a bit of a, a bit of a penchant for butterflies. You know, I remember speaking to you after a performance that yeah. you did of Sharpless because I found it incredibly moving. It was really something that obviously you connected to yeah. and uh, I was sitting in the audience and I, I was more moved by Sharpless than the butterfly, frankly, <laughs> which is probably not a good thing, but it was such, I, I just thought it was a wonderful performance. Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you. And, and it's nice to know that that was the response that you had mm. because you don't go out there in a sense to, um, in Butterfly, to put the attention on Sharpless. Sure. It's about yeah. Butterfly, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and to a much lesser extent about that dreadful person. Yes. <laughs> 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 I, I had this... I had this thing about Pinkerton. You know, I always hated him. You yes. know? And sometimes we <laughs> did performances where I found myself pushing him around, <laughs> depending on the production. Yeah. I was like, come on, let's not, go, let's get, not get to uh, Lee Strasberg about yes, this. You know. of course. But, um, but I mean, you make an interesting point too, because um, it's not just one role that makes an opera work. No. And it's, you know, when you do have... Um, well, Sharpless is obviously not the most important role in Butterfly, but when that is really working yeah. and Butterfly is working too, then it's a different experience. It is, and it actually also points up uh, another function of you as an actor. Yeah. And this is not just in opera, but uh, it, 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 you need to be on. Yeah. On in the electrical sense yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. John Copley came up to me once one day in a, in a rehearsal of Marriage of Figaro. Mm. We had a new Susanna who was lovely. She mm. was a delightful mm. woman and really putting in, you know, and he came up and he said, I love this girl. She's always on. Mm. And I knew exactly what he meant. So yeah, yeah. 
you know, the cord was in the socket, yeah. but the power was on. Yeah. It was like that from the beginning. Mm. And part of that is, is responding not like, you know, with mugging, no, that sure. sort of thing, yeah. but, but being, concentrating on the other people yeah. who are singing, yeah. not necessarily to you, mm. so that you need to be able to see everything in its context. So, and then if, if you're part of that context, mm. then there's an energy that's created. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you, you were a very good actor Boy. too, you know. But, but um, uh, th this energy that feeds in like a state of flux, mm. and it's almost, at its apogee, it's bigger than the sum of the parts. Yeah, exactly. And you, and you know, it, it, there's that awful moment when you're watching a performance where somebody does their bit and they turn around to walk off stage and they go, boom. Yeah. And you can, hear, you can almost hear the click yeah. as the current gets switched off yeah. and they drip off the stage and you think, well... Yeah, exactly. You know, thanks a bunch. But it's um, what I was saying before uh, about you is that uh, when other people were singing, and you've just touched on it then, you're actually um, involved in their conversation. Yeah. And the audience feels that and the audience sees that. And it's a fantastic thing when it's when it's all happening like yeah. that. And those uh, performances of Marriage of Figaro were wonderful. They were great casts. I remember once uh, I was very impressed by it. You sang the Count uh, in the afternoon and Marcello at night, I think, or maybe it was the other way around. Yeah, there were a couple of days like that. Yeah, <laughs> which is extraordinary. <laughs> it's, it was brought about by circumstance. Yeah, yeah. You know, but by some problem in the scheduling. But, yeah. And and I was asked ahead. Yeah. You know, are you? Do you think you'll be able to do it? Yeah. You know, do you, because if you don't want to do, say, the Boheme in the evening, mm. then um, we'll get someone else on. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I thought, oh, no, it'll be all right. Yeah, it'll be yeah. fine. And I got through. I was absolutely whacked. I'm sure. You know, <laughs> by Saturday night, all I was going to stagger home and get a cold beer. You know, to, <laughs> yes. to replace some of the moisture. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did that twice. Uh, there was another occasion where I did. Smaller operas. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I did um, Rape of Lucretia and mm. Pagliacci or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, so it was a much easier brief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'd forgotten about that. It was oh, crazy. It crazy at the time. I remember it very well. Um, it, it's a, you were unique in that, um, and you mentioned because you've had um, a long career, and during the career, your, your roles change because you, you were singing in the early days Don Giovanni, and then later on Leporello. Yeah. So, do you want to talk a little bit about how how you how that change was, and how well one influenced the other? Yeah. Well, it, it, with Giovanni mm. slash Deborello, yeah, that was like that was like Christmas presents, you know, mm. because when I was doing Don Giovanni, which was appropriate for yeah. my age and physique and so on, uh, I loved it. You know, yeah, loved it to death. And you're a great Giovanni, I but I used to. I used to think, actually, Leporello is a more interesting role <laughs> yes. from, from the musical point of view because, you know, there have been volumes written about, about Giovanni and the yeah. characters and yeah. the psychology and yeah. the psychiatry and all that yeah. sort of thing. <clears throat> and one of the things that has been said about Giovanni more than once is that he, as a character, has no musical centre. Mm. His arias uh, are just pieces, yeah. you, know, you know, like there's the serenade, there's the so-called champagne aria, mm. which is a showpiece. Yeah. And there's the thing where you send the blokes out on a yeah. wild goose chase, which Without is fun to do, yeah. honestly. And I used to 
I, I'd worked really hard for a lot of the opera. Mm. Then I'd have this break mm. in the second act and I'd be sitting in my room, just getting my strength back for the finale and the mm. cemetery scene, and I would hear Leporello singing in the sextet scene. Yeah. And I'd think, oh, gee, that's... Oh, that is so wonderful. I'd love to be singing in that. <laughs> yes. I'd love to be in that scene. That's, that's better than anything I've got to do. <laughs> I, I did love doing the recitatives, I must yeah. say that. But then, so then later on, uh, there was a bit of a gap. Mm. And then new productions came up and so on, and I was given Leporello. Mm. And to begin with, I thought it might be a bit low. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, there are times when you... It's incumbent upon you to provide the baseline. Yes, exactly. And uh, I remember I was actually asked to do Leporello in Brussels mm. with José Vendon uh -huh. as Giovanni. Wow. Uh, they said, look, you know, you're physically similar mm. and, mm. you know, all that sort of stuff, similar ages. It should work for all, you know, the costume stuff. And, mm. and I looked at the score, took the score away from their library, looked at it and I thought, no, this is too low. I thought, mm. if I'm going to have a debacle, <laughs> I'd rather have it at home <laughs> than in Brussels, you yes. know. Uh, so, um, so I, I gave the idea away, but then it came up and I probably found, my voice had probably gone down a bit yeah. by then anyway. Mm. Uh, so I was no longer singing the very high parts. Yeah. So. Yeah. And um, I did Leporello and it went pretty well and mm. I had a ball. Yeah. I loved it doing mm. it. In fact, I did enjoy doing it more than Giovanni. Yeah. And I, but there was a moment in the first act where I had the gap after I'd sung the Catalogar and everything. I sat in my room and I thought, Oh, Giovanni gets to sing in that nice quartet. <laughs> oh, I'd love to see. Oh, hang on. <laughs> well, it's, but it's often, you know, when you are in an opera and you think, oh, gee, that's a beautiful section. I'd, oh, 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 the tenor's got that beautiful aria. Wouldn't it be great to sing that? But I think it's a normal reaction from, yeah, from everyone. Yeah. Oh, damn tenors. Why do they get all the nice music? <laughs> exactly. Especially, especially a pig like Pinkerton. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> in this long career, um, you know, you sang with some wonderful, wonderful singers yep. um, and you're always in terrific company and you deserve to be. Um, are there any um, singers, apart from Godby, that you really loved working with? There were a few, yeah. I, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, one's a butterfly mm -hmm. um, and uh, Yelena Prokina, yeah. who did Butterfly and I did Sharpers with her. Mm. And, the thing about her was that she was a fabulous actress mm. Mm. and it worked. Mm. Uh, I can remember, you know, being in the room with her and almost in tears with mm. her in the second act. Yeah. And I said to her, Yelena, um, do you subscribe to that Stanislavski theory that you should always keep 10% for yourself? <laughs> you know, because she's giving the lot. Yeah, you know? yeah. And this was only rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. And she said, 15 percent yes uh, and she said no she, she wasn't giving a lot it just gave that impression you wow. know? so um, a very believable yeah actress and someone you you know and I had that same um, that same reaction with uh, Nelly Mirichoyu yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Nelly came out here a couple of times and I did Traviata with her mm -hmm. and I was in to be honest I was in I wasn't in my best form mm. I wasn't that great and to me, for me, my uh, essaying of that role was actually a failure. Mm. Uh, some of it went pretty well, but there were parts of it, key parts of it, that I felt I didn't mm. cope with very well. And I never did it again. Mm. 
but I remember coming on stage to do the scene between Germain yeah. and Violetta. And she was standing with her back to me, mm. and there were these wavy lines coming off her. Well, I couldn't see them, but yeah, they, yeah, yeah. You know, there was this electricity. Yeah. But she, she just, she stood there, not doing anything, yeah. but being yeah. Violetta. Yeah. And the whole thing was, was wonderful. So despite the fact that I was not great vocally, I still found it a most rewarding experience. Yeah, yeah. But there are lots of people, I mean, Jane Sutherland, you know, yeah, yeah, the, of course, yeah. uh, and Don Smith, people like yeah. that with fabulous voices. Mm. And you stood next to them on the stage and you sang duets or, or, um, or you know, ensembles with mm. them and you lifted yeah. to a level that you didn't know you had. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can remember that with Don, yeah. very early in my career, singing with Don. Um, well, I remember seeing you sing um, Silvio and Pagliacci in the yeah. Elizabethan Theatre in Newtown. <laughs> yes. With Don Smith. Before we burned it down. Oh, no, yes. they burned it down. <laughs> um, they were great performances. Yes. Yeah, well, Don was in his element in that. He was, yeah. He was able to just sort of... Smash the set Go for and, it. Yeah. And sing. Wow, wonderful yeah. voice. Yeah. And, of course, with Joan Sutherland, I sang um, concerts with her mm. several times where we sang duets. And, mm. and I always wanted to be better than I actually was yeah, yeah. because yeah. of this amazing sound coming yeah, yeah. from next to me. Yeah. Same with Kiri, yeah. Kiri Takanova. Another beautiful experience, Boheme. Mm. Yeah, we mentioned yeah. Boheme. Did Boheme with her a couple of times mm. and that was, it was like, uh, you know, somebody pouring cream next to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And her voice just went up Gorgeous and it did this as it went up. Yeah, yeah. Thought, ah, yeah. That, that's some sound. Yeah. Um, Felicity Lott yeah. I worked with in Europe mm. several times and she was a beautiful artist. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful yeah. musician, lovely person, mm. really fine actress. Yeah. We did Richard Strauss together a couple of times. Yeah. And one of those was Intermezzo, yeah. where we were the Strausses. Yeah. And she was amazing. Yeah. She was stunning. Yeah. She was on, on for virtually the whole opera. You yeah. know? And I remember we were doing the film of it. Mm. I had to go back to do the film. And the film takes all day. Mm. Uh, you started, well, you started at 11. Yeah. I think we finished at 7 p.m. Mm. And I had probably a third of what Flot had to do, mm. and I was flagging. Yes. You know? And you'd, you'd be doing a scene, you think, oh, this is going really well. Yeah. And then they'd say, stop, yeah. I've got a camera in the wrong position, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then you have to start and actually crank it all up again. Yeah. And I remember we got to the end of, of the session, and it was, I don't know, quarter to seven or something, and we were about to go on for the last scene, and she said, oh, I do hope we get this first time. She said, <laughs> yes. I haven't got anything left. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you wouldn't have known. Yeah. But yeah. she was she was a wonderful artist. Um, sang with some people you, most people wouldn't know now. I remember Umberto Borso. I remember, you know, yes. Umberto? Yeah. Well, Lovely I, Italian tenor. He was. I was, um, I was at university and it was my first opera experience, yeah. actually. And I, I got a job as an extra in Otello. Yeah. And uh, was, was rehearsing at the showground, I think, or somewhere out there. And John Shaw was singing Iago. And this um, guy was singing Othello. I'd never heard anything like it. I mean, I was a kid and I thought, my God, this is extraordinary. Yeah. But you did Forza with him, yeah? Yes, yeah. I mean, Forza wasn't really my part, but we had a great time. Yeah, you yeah. Know, we, we did yeah. it together in, in, we did some performances in Adelaide. Yeah. And I remember the, 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 the local contingent were there. I think he'd already m made friends with the local. Yes, I'm sure. And we finished one of the duets there. Eh, bravo, tenore, bravo, barito. I said, barito, no? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. It was so funny. Yeah. 
Um, but you mentioned, you know, great colleagues. I mean, really, I was so lucky to work here mm. in an ensemble mm. of people of high level, really. Yeah, I mean, I spoke to Anson recently and I was yeah, saying during that period that there were some extraordinary Australian singers. Yeah. I mean, truly great singers, and you were part of that. that and you knew that if you put on a show like Figaro mm. or Cenerentola, yeah. you know, that the, the general level would be high. Yeah. Actually, by world standards, yeah, yeah, it was absolutely. high. Yeah, yeah, it was. And, uh, yeah, it was I a great it, period for the company. And, and we were able to put a show back on mm. in no time at all, yeah. usually, because yeah. Ron McConaughey, yeah. you know, Cynthia Johnson, yeah. Glenis Fowles, yeah. Anson, yeah. Uh, Isabel Buchanan for yeah. a while. Yeah. Who, when, when she wasn't making me laugh all the time. <laughs> yes, um, she was wonderful. Just... Uh, and Don Shanks and Neil Don Shanks, Smith. Yeah, of course. Dear, dear Don. Um, yeah. You know, I, I haven't named a quarter of them. Jenny sure, Birmingham. Yeah. They were all terrific artists. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the commitment yeah. was, was there yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, and it was something that wasn't duplicated very often around the world. I agree. Because yeah. different working way, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in Vienna, where they're putting it, well, putting on 20 different operas in a month. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's impossible yeah, to yeah, have an totally. ensemble like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, I mentioned this to Anson, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask you about it too, uh, because you both had very long careers, yeah. um, which you don't see these days. There's, there's a phenomenon of a five-year career now, and uh, it's prevalent <coughs> all over the world. Um, and I wonder if you've got any thoughts about that, why that is occurring. I have thought about it over the years. Um, I, when somebody has a short career like that, I always assume that it's for vocal technical reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you know, there's something you don't know, like they have mm. a, um, a physiological problem, mm. Mm. some problem with you know hormones or yeah. Or, um, yeah. So they they're not they're not actually able to keep in good shape. Mm through no fault of their own. Um, yes, vocal technical problems, poor teaching perhaps, mm -hmm. uh, maybe there are all sorts of things. Maybe there's a lack of desire to actually put the work in, mm -hmm. in, in the terms of practicing. Yep. Remember hearing Peter Pitt mm -hmm. being interviewed many mm -hmm. years ago. Mm -hmm. He was still singing yep. at the time. And the interviewer said, oh, um, Peter, a few years ago, you had a rather bad patch. Mm. Um, can you, would you like to speak about that at all? Mm -hmm. Which you came out of. He said, all I can say is that I can't overemphasize the value of daily practice. Mm. I thought, all right. So he was, he was skating along on, yeah, his, yeah. on his capital. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Which, yeah. So uh, yeah. That's, that's one possibility. Another one I think is maybe Singing in houses that are a bit too big for you, yeah. Like the Met, yeah. Which you know that we we, when we hear an opera from the Met, on the radio at home, mm. my wife says, "Oh, that's the Met wobble." <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Sure. I think, well, yeah, that's a, it's been a great voice, and mm. it's obviously got to be a big voice for this role in that house. Yeah. But you do wonder how it's come about. Yeah. But I mean that's a bit of an exaggeration, I suppose, because a lot of stuff that comes from the Mets really fabulous. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. But um, mm -hmm. uh, but it is a phenomenon that you know when when people are singing in houses that are too big for them, then obviously they push. 
Yep. And then, you know, once you get into that pattern, it's difficult to get out of it. I tried not to push. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes, mm. you know, you'd think, oh, the orchestra's pretty loud. I've got to <laughs> yes. try to get through here. Yeah. And you do. And yeah. you, you notice the effect. Yeah. So you, you scale back. So hopefully you don't do it very often. Mm. But the other thing about that also is I think some younger singers sometimes get pushed into roles that are too big for them. Yeah. And it's tempting for them to say, oh, yeah, I'd love to sing whatever it is, yeah, you yeah. know, um, and get lots of money. Yep. And, and then they'll ask me to do it somewhere else. Mm. And if they overwork their voice on those things, yeah. well, then there's a price to pay. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely. think that's what another possibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting because uh, the people I've had this conversation with, uh, you all end up saying the same thing. Yeah. And it's... Uh, Funny about that. It's, uh, well, it, it comes from uh, knowledge and experience uh, that you've witnessed and, uh, and it's, it's an important thing. Yeah, we, we've seen... We've all seen it happen yeah. to friends and yeah. colleagues. Yeah. And, and it's sad when it, it happens. It is sad. It's very sad. Yeah, yeah. you think, oh, what's, what's happened to so-and-so? Yeah. 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 Well, John, it's been a real delight to have you as a guest today. Oh, thank you. And um, you've been, a, a, as I said to Anson, because um, you were part of that extraordinary period, you've been a wonderful role model for young singers. Well, thank and, you. And really someone that um, people have, uh, who look to on how to not only sing and act well, but how to manage a career well and to have a long and very successful career. I was lucky. Well, with my time, <laughs> look, there's there's an element of luck in, in everything we do. But as you said before, uh, if you don't put the work in, then you don't have the luck. That's true. Sometimes you make your own luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so thank you, John. It's been a real delight. My pleasure. It's nice to see you again, Linda. You too. Thank you for listening to In Conversation with Lyndon Terracini. We hope you've enjoyed the chat and we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast. That way you'll get each new episode as they're released. We also hope to see you in the theatre in the not-too-distant future. And you can stay up to date with all we've got going on at opera.org.au.